How are we doing this morning? Feeling good? Excited about being here? I know that I'm excited. It is an incredible season here at FCC, just seeing all that God's doing. So anytime that uh, I personally have an opportunity to come together as the body of Christ, I'm just grateful uh, to be here. In fact, I look forward to it. Uh, apparently, I'm not the only one looking forward uh, to being together with the body. It was 8.45 this morning, 45 minutes before our first service started. And, and as I was walking into the building, this is what I saw. I, I took this picture. We've got, uh, there's a couple of kids that uh, rode their bikes uh, to church this morning. Uh, and they're hanging out and they're uh, in the back and, and uh, ready uh, for what God is doing. I mean, I'm telling you. That uh, right now, God is moving in some incredible ways in our church. It's just so much fun to see uh, that uh, people are excited uh, to come together as the body. Uh, And, you know, I'm going to believe that they were pumped to be here. Not that their parents were like, you guys are driving us crazy. Get out of the house and get to church. Uh, But the reality is, is that um, we should be excited uh, to come together. Uh, to draw together, to be the body. And, and uh, I'm just grateful that uh, there are kids uh, who are uh, soaking up uh, the Word of God, looking for opportunities, uh, be uh, with the body. It's, it's fun to be with kids. It's fun to see them because what we recognize is um, uh, they're watching. They're watching us. Uh, they're watching adults. They're wanting for people to share with them and to, to give them hope and a reason. Uh, they're hearing the exact same things that we're hearing about our world today. Uh, and they need a safe place that, where people are going to give them hope, uh, life, uh, and, and the truth of Jesus Christ. And so I'm so grateful for our uh, kids' ministry, for our student ministry, and just what's happening uh, as uh, so many uh, lives are being transformed by the power of Christ. It it is good uh, to be with kids, and and they can teach us so many things. We know that they're watching. I I saw that over and over as my wife and I were raising our two uh, girls. Uh, when they were younger, they're, they're both adults now and have kids of their own. But, but when they were younger, it was a lot of fun just to, to be with them, to, to raise them up, and to, to just share. And, but it was, I was reminded all the time of how they were watching us. Sometimes it played out like this. I, I would take the girls every once in a while to maybe to a doctor's appointment, maybe to a dentist appointment. It didn't take very long, and the girls, actually, they preferred that Jen would take him instead of me. And really, the, the main reason was simply because of um, we'd be sitting in the, the waiting room. And I don't know if you've ever done this before, but as I sit down in the waiting room, and my girls are with me, and we're waiting for them to be called, I kind of get comfortable. And before you know it, one of my girls is like, Dad, you're snoring. And so, you know, they'll, they'll kind of wake up. I never have a problem falling asleep almost anywhere. Maybe you're like me. You kind of struggle at times to, to think, man, it's hard to stay awake. Maybe you've gone to lunch with some people in the office or you met somebody and you come back and you had a few too many, like, baskets of chips and salsa during lunch, and now you're sitting in a meeting and it's real hard to stay awake in that meeting. Or maybe, maybe it's like, you know, you've got a long drive and you had a short rest and you're just feeling like, man, it is hard. 
Uh, maybe I'm the only one in the room who's ever like stuck their head out the window and, and kind of opened your eyes, kind of just start singing and screaming and talking as loud as you possibly can just to keep yourself awake while you're driving. And, and without raising your hands, how many of us have ever struggled to stay awake in church? Hey, hey, don't worry. Number one, I already see you. You don't need to raise your hands. <laughs> but more importantly, I, there are times when I'm putting myself to sleep, if you want to know the truth. And I struggle to stay awake and stay focused. And, but the, the truth is this, that many times in our life, it is hard uh, to stay awake. And I bet every one of us, there has been a time or two in our life, we're looking back. We wish we'd have been more alert to what was going on around us. Man, there is this great example of that truth in the last week of Jesus' life. Actually, it's in the final hours of Jesus' life before he goes uh, to the cross. Uh, It's a story that uh, we're familiar. We know the last week of Jesus' life, his ministry, uh, before he goes to the cross, it is one week ahead of time. You and I know the day as Palm Sunday. Jesus shows up into Jerusalem. There's a lot of fanfare. People are prepared. He's riding in on a donkey. There are like coats and palm branches that are on the road. And, and he comes in, and there's a ton of anticipation, all this excitement about, all right, here comes the Messiah. But as Jesus interacts with the people that week in the city of Jerusalem, Jesus is much more aware about what's about to happen because he's speaking truth. He is challenging the religious leaders. And it doesn't take very long, and Jesus is now pushing them to the point where they are ready to kill him. And even though there are preparations, I mean, the crowd is there because they're celebrating the Passover. That's, that's what you and I just did when we celebrated communion. Remember, Rich was telling us about this idea that they were coming together. Jesus was uh, portraying himself as the, uh, the, the Lamb of God, the blood of the Lamb. And he's talking about his body was represented there by uh, the bread, and his blood was represented by the, the, uh, the cup that they would drink. And, and as he's having this conversation, um, he tells them, Guys, uh, things are not going to go well. In fact, uh, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die at the hands of the religious leaders. And, And in that moment, Jesus even tells the disciples as they're sitting around and they're partaking of this special meal, he says, one of you guys is going to betray me. Now, you and I, if we're familiar with the story of the Last Supper at all, if we're familiar with anything about what goes on in the life of Jesus, we probably are aware that the guy that he's talking about is Judas. Judas is the one that sold him for 30 pieces of silver. But the rest of the disciples, they do not know this. And in fact, every one of them, Scripture tells us that while they're sitting at the table, every one of them, one by one, says, surely you're not talking about me, Lord, every one of them. In fact, Peter goes on record and he says, hey, even if the rest of these dudes turn their back on you, I never will. And it prompts these familiar words by Jesus. I tell you the truth, Peter. 
this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. And of course, in that moment, Jesus does exactly what I would hope I would do, and that's pledge my allegiance and, and, and basically let him know, no, you can count on me. Because in the very next verse, it says, no, Peter de- declares emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. Now, if you are familiar with the scene that, that kind of plays out in the next couple of hours, if you're familiar at all with the events of Easter weekend, you know that Jesus went to the cross and the rest of the disciples were not with him. You know also that Peter did probably one of the most notable gaffes, if you will, uh, ever recorded. Unfortunately, the disciples in this moment, while they're vowing their allegiance, while they're saying, hey, dude, we're with you all the way, uh, they're unaware of the spiritual battle that's at hand. They've completely underestimated their readiness to stand firm in their faith. I mean, they're, they're like, we believe in you. We're going to stand with you. Uh, we're ready to die with you. And, and, and later that night, even though they make these promises, Jesus is arrested. All the disciples have scattered. They're hiding. And in the courtyard, right outside of where Jesus is in this being interrogated and he's under trial, in the courtyard, Peter, the Lord knew it. Peter denies even knowing who Jesus is. I'm guessing it's one of those things that if Peter looked back on, he could he would probably ask, "Do we really need to include that one?" Because because it's not his most shining moment. As we conclude our series on being battle ready, Here's what I want you to know is that we must recognize desire alone is not enough to stand firm when Satan attacks. Desire alone, it's just not enough when the enemy comes at us, when the challenges of life and being our faith is being tested. It's not going to be enough because your desire will betray you. Let me show you what I mean. Let's get in the Word this morning. Grab your Bibles and let's open it to Matthew chapter 26. Maybe you've got, uh, like me, you're going old school and you've got got the hard copy. Uh, If not, I want to encourage you to pull out your phone or your tablet and open up the app, uh, the YouVersion app to the Bible. Or more importantly, easier, easier would be to open up uh, the church app. And go to the section where our notes, it's right on the very top on the homepage of our, uh, of our app. And, and you can write down some notes. You can read the scripture with me. It's important for every one of us to have access uh, to God's word. But we're in Matthew chapter 26 this morning. And we know that uh, Jesus says, uh, you guys, um, you're all going to desert me. 
They've all pledged their allegiance and said, no way, Lord, we are with you through thick and thin. And beginning in verse 36 there of chapter 26, Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. He's talking about James and John here. He takes them with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. We know, because we have the benefit uh, of how this whole story plays out, we know that this is a vulnerable moment in Jesus' life. And so going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground, and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. The cup he's talking about is cup cup of suffering, the cup of God's wrath, uh, what it is that he's going to endure on on your behalf and on my behalf in in just a few hours. He's asking uh, for the Lord to intervene. Uh, The reality is, is that no one but Jesus has a clue as to what is about to happen. In a few hours... He's going to be nailed to the cross. And Jesus knows it. It's been his mission all along. In fact, Jesus has known this since before creation. Uh, Peter reminds us in his, one of his letters that before creation even took place, Jesus agreed to come and to die in your place and in mine so that we all might be redeemed. Yet, In this moment, there is this spiritual battle that's taking place. He's already agreed that he's going to do the Father's will. He's already agreed that he's going to come and he's going to suffer and die. There's no mistake. Jesus knows what it is that he's about to endure. In fact, he willingly said that he would do it. But in the moment, in the crisis, in the pain, in the struggle, in where all of a sudden it all culminates, Jesus does exactly what every one of us do. Um, is there another way out? Dad, are, are you sure that there isn't a different way? He's looking. If it's possible, can we come up with plan B? Even though Jesus knew what it was that his father and he agreed and he was fulfilling uh, his plan, when it came push to shove, he was just like you and me. And the reason for that is because even though Jesus was fully God, he was also fully man, which means that he has the same struggles that you and I have. He has the same feelings that you and I have. He has the same temptations. He endured that. Man, John did a great job last week helping us recognize the temptations that Jesus endured just like you and I endure. And so just like you and me, Jesus is looking for a way out. But unlike you and I, Jesus is less concerned with what he wants and he's more concerned with what God wants. He'll eventually pray in this time there in the garden. He says, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. This right here is probably the toughest prayer 
that Jesus would pray. It's certainly, I know in my life, the toughest prayer I've ever prayed. Uh, No, I didn't go to the cross for anyone, but this idea of recognizing that if it's not possible, meaning like if it's, if this is, if this is what's going to happen. Now, if you've ever been connected or you've been walking with us here at FCC for a while, you know that we've got three statements. It's on our wristband. We say it every week. We want us to be recognized that we're a community where nobody's perfect. Everyone is welcome and anything is possible. So why is it that if we believe that God can do anything, that with God anything is possible, that Jesus is saying if it's not possible? Because Jesus recognizes that the only way that you and I can be redeemed, that the only way that the world can be made right, that the only solution to all the sin and the brokenness in the world is for the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. And that's the only way that everything will be restored. Part of God's justice It's part of God's mercy. It's part of his grace. And and so here's Jesus praying, Lord, if if it's not your will for me to not have to suffer, then I'm gonna be okay with it. That's a hard prayer to pray. What if it's not God's will for you to get that job right now? What if it's not God's will to cure the body of the sickness and the disease? What if it's not God's will for you to get pregnant right now? How do we handle that? Are we able uh, to still say, not my will, but yours be done? I mean, yes, the Bible teaches and Jesus even told us that we are to bring our requests to the Father. Uh, But we need to trust that our Heavenly Father knows what is best for us. I know that you already know this, but it's important for us to see. Accepting God's will when it's not what you want is hard. Accepting what God's will is when it's not what you want is hard. I mean, those are the moments We recognize that, wait a minute, does God really know what's best? How do we trust him? And in that moment, Jesus is praying, if this is not possible, not my will, but yours be done. The late, great Haddon Robinson, he was a preacher as well as a a president of a, a theological seminary. And he once wrote these words. He wrote lots of books, and, and uh, one, one time he wrote these statements, and I just want you to hear them. He says, where was it that Jesus sweat great drops of blood? Not in Pilate's hall, nor was it on his way to Golgotha. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's where Jesus sweat great drops of blood. I mean, think about this. Jesus was falsely accused. He said nothing. He was mocked. He was spit upon. He was beaten by the guards, but he did not retaliate. 
in the end, Jesus is able to accomplish his mission to redeem the world because he listened to his Father's will. He submitted to his Father's will. I would tell you simply, victory is not won in the heat of the battle, but it's rooted in the garden of prayer. In order for Jesus to go through all of that pain and all of that suffering for you, he needed to spend some time in the garden praying. Because accepting God's will when it wasn't what he wanted to do It was hard. And there are moments in our lives to recognize that what it is that God wants for us to let go, that is difficult. When was the last time you experienced anguish in your prayer life? When you spent more than a cursory moment passing just a, a, a word or two to God? truly were anguished in a time of prayer because there was a battle going on within you that you truly did not want to surrender to God's will. Victory's not won in the heat of the battle. It's not going to be won in that argument. You're preparing to talk to your boss this week. You're preparing to talk to an employee or somebody who's, you know, uh, below you that you're responsible for. You're preparing to have a conversation with your kid. You're thinking you've got to get everything ready so that you're ready for the heat of the battle. And I'm telling you, a victory is going to be rooted in the garden of prayer. If only the disciples would have recognized this. You know, Jesus, he's, he's preparing for the battle. And the same can't be said of his closest friends. You know the story. Jesus is praying with his father, and we read, he returned to his disciples, and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In this moment, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's letting them know that they need to be praying because if they're not going to pray, they are going to fall into temptation. And when he mentions to them about the flesh being weak, he's not just talking about the fact that uh, they can't run as fast as they used to run, that they're tired from all that's gone on this past week or the past three years, but he's talking about their human nature. He's talking about our humanity. The scripture speaks about the flesh, that being the sinful nature that is within us. And so in this moment, uh, the disciples, they never for once recognized that the real test of their souls would not come when the soldiers came after Jesus Instead, it was when Jesus drew them away to a quiet place to watch and pray. Uh, That's where they were going to need to win the battle. That's where they were going to need to recognize that their flesh is weak. And and they've got to trust uh, in what it is that the Spirit can do on their behalf. It's like what Paul said in Romans when he says... 
man, what I want to do, I don't end up doing it. But what I don't want to do, those are the things that I keep on doing. I don't know if you can relate to Paul, but I sure can. There are so many times in my life when even I'm sitting in this room or rooms like this, and I'm challenged by the Word of God. I'm, I'm strengthened by times of worship. I'm encouraged by heartfelt prayers. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the week. Tomorrow's the day. This is the moment where I'm drawing a line in the sand. But then the week happens. The moment comes. And desire was not enough to stand strong when the enemy attacks. You see, we've got to spend some time and recognizing uh, that, that we've got to, to realize. Uh, we, we realize that defeat comes when we overestimate our ability and we underestimate the enemy. We think that we're strong. We think that we're going to be okay. We kind of forget that the enemy, man, he's more clever than we are. Yeah. Uh, the Apostle Paul, another section, he tells us, you know, that, that devil, he's clever. In fact, don't even give him a place that he can place his feet. Don't give him a place to stand. Because if you give the devil a foothold, he's going to walk all over you. Now, others put it this way. If you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. You see, we've got to recognize, man, that the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion. He's looking for those that he can devour. And so Jesus comes to his disciples and he tells them, you need to be praying so that you don't fall into temptation. You need to recognize that even though you want to honor your word, even though you want to love me, even though you want to stay by my side, I'm telling you, the flesh is weak. Even after Jesus warns them of the spiritual battle that's going on within themselves, we read this. You probably recall a story. He came back to the disciples after he left them. He again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and he went away once more and he prayed the third time saying the same thing. And then he returned to the disciples, and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. We know how the rest of the story plays out. We know that Jesus goes to the cross. We know that the disciples, they scatter, they deny They hide. It's because of the time that Jesus spent with his fathers, with his heavenly father, that he is ready to bring about forgiveness for you and me. The most important part of the story that I want you to take away is not the failure of Peter and the rest of the disciples, but the victory of Jesus when he surrendered to his father's will. You see, in your dark hours, in those struggles, Jesus comes to your side and he carries you in your darkness. It's because of his ability to surrender his will, even though he didn't want to, 
You have the promise of the Holy Spirit to strengthen you. It's just like John the baptizer who once said, less of me and more of Christ. May that be your prayer. Less of you, more of Christ. Less of what you want, more of what the Father wants. Because we need to recognize we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And so as we finish this series, I want you to hold on to this truth. The battle to win is not the removal of difficulty, but the releasing of your will. There's so many times in my life where I think that the victory will be won when the difficulty is removed. But the truth of Scripture is, is that we need to surrender our will to the Father's will. And so when we look at Jesus and we see him and his disciples and what was the difference between standing or falling was simply whether or not they were ready to kneel in prayer. You know, I've, I've found there is this powerful connection with my heart and with what my body does, especially in moments when I'm speaking with or to the Lord. And, and there are times when I need to recognize that, uh, Lord, I want to surrender to you. And so my body will just naturally do this. Because we know that the international sign for surrender is what? This. That when we, when we sing to the Lord that you are my God, that I will trust in you, what I have to do is I have to surrender my will. And so I have found that I can experience a, a better result when my body actually aligns with what my heart and my words are saying. Lord, I surrender to you. And the posture of kneeling in prayer is coming before the Lord and recognizing, again, I bow to you. Jesus, face down on the ground, is surrendering to his heavenly Father. Don't ever underestimate your readiness. Don't underestimate the enemy because desire alone is not enough to stand against his attacks. So I just want to give you two suggestions quickly of where we can go from here. And and that is, every one of us needs to get honest and tell our Heavenly Father what it is that we're struggling with. What is it where you're saying, hey, Lord, is there another way? Hey, Lord, I really don't want to do this. Hey, Lord, I'm struggling with what, appears to be like what's going to happen. Be honest. Let him know. Tell him the truth. Jesus said, Lord, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. He was honest with God. I think the very first thing is that our prayers need to be honest. And you need to spend some time talking to your heavenly Father and let him know what it is that you're struggling with. Look at what Jesus did. It, It was several hours that he's in the garden praying. That means he's talking to his father again and again and again. I really don't want to do this. I'm struggling with this. 
I don't know if I'm going to survive on this. I mean, he was spending serious amounts of time talking to his father about his struggle. In fact, it was multiple times he would go back to the father. I don't know about you. I'm not saying anything about you. I'm just talking about me. I recognize that what the, the model that Jesus gives is that I've got to talk to, to my Heavenly Father more than probably 30 seconds over something that I'm really struggling to let go of. This is a daily prayer. This is a, an every moment where I'm honest with him and I say, I'm not there yet, Lord. I'm not there yet, Lord. I still need your help. The second thing I want you to see is that Jesus, Jesus asked his disciples to pray with him. That means you and I, we need to ask others to pray with us. Jesus said, guys, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. He's honest with his disciples. He's honest with these guys. Watch and pray with me. He's inviting them in to bear the burden. He's not asking them to go to the cross with him. He's asking for his support because he knows that he needs the support of others. And so I want to encourage you. Is there somebody that you can be honest with and say, you need to help, you need to pray with me over this concern? I'm having a hard time releasing this to God. I am struggling big time, and I'm, I don't know that I can accept that if God says no, that I can say, I'm with you, Lord. Invite someone in to pray with you. Because you need You need some help. You need some prayer partners. Every one of us can pray together and be a part of the body and and recognize that when we come to Jesus and let him carry our burdens, we're saying to him, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. And the cool thing is, is that Jesus is ready to carry your burden, and he's ready to deliver you, and he's ready to help you endure the battle even when It's not what you want. And so may you trust uh, in the will of the Father and and let go of your own will. Pray with me this morning. You know, Father, we're grateful for your love and your mercy. Grateful, Father, for the way that you care for us. God, I pray that uh, in those areas of our life where we're struggling to let go, Man, we know that uh, you are God. We know that you have given us a promise. We know that you bring about victory. But, Lord, it's still hard to let go sometimes. And so give us the strength and the courage to be honest with you, to, to surrender our will so that your will might be accomplished. Help us to trust in you, to know that you uh, are at work and that you're the one that brings about the victory. It's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray these things. It's his name that saves us. It's his will that we want to surrender to. Amen. Let's stand and let's recognize that the victory is made possible because of what Jesus has done on our behalf.